Hello, my dears. You're listening to White Stag Conversations, the personal growth podcast where spirit and science meet for your best self and optimal health. I'm your host and NLP coach, Natasha, and this is another incredible guest episode. Today's guest has been a personal growth junkie for the past 20 years, so you can imagine the amazing insight she has to offer. Jen Todd is a high-performance coach who focuses on finding the purpose behind the painful parts of our journey. She specializes in serving women in business to help them find the meaning behind the mindset so they can implement strategies to accelerate business growth. Jen has successfully started three businesses and has scaled her current business, Shift Collective, to a place of profit in the first eight months. Jen Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking so forward to this important conversation. Yes, I'm excited to have you here. Um, Like we discussed, as soon as I saw uh, your video where you were talking about not just the fear of failure, but the fear of success. I knew we had to dive into that deeper. And I had to think about that for a minute. Like the fear of success is not something that's talked about very often. So can you explain a little bit more about what that means? I think most of us associate fear with failure right? We're worried about who's going to see us if we fail. That's the biggest thing. And this concept never used to be on my radar at all um, until I really moved into the space of coaching entrepreneurs, women in business. And I realized that it's this fear of failure too, but fear of success that often stunts our success. So I think it's, you know, fear of success is more prevalent than we realize. Fear of what if it works? What if I am able to move past those perceived limitations or even trauma I've experienced in the past? It's really Mm -hmm. real, right? Yeah, it's um, the limitations that you're talking about is something that, you know, a lot of people don't really address. I know you have mentioned before, and we don't have to go into detail if you don't want to, but you have your own experience with trauma. So how did the fear of success kind of play a role in that? I'm totally comfortable going into that. I mean, I like to share as much as possible because I think it, it allows other people to just be really real about their fears, right? Whether it's success or failure. Um, I, I overcame a very turbulent childhood, very traumatic. I always say that I am uh, <laughs> I, I'm the product of 25 years of therapy and different training (laughs) and it's so proud of it um, because it's got got me to this place where I am now where um, I'm thriving but I I know what it's like to be um, overcome with with the results of trauma and a few years ago I think about I'm coming up on my fifth anniversary of being well but I received a a diagnosis of a life-threatening disease and I mean that that really catapulted me back into trauma and so those, uh, those old feelings of being really frozen came to life in a really real way because I'm going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I've got four kids and an a amazing husband in this business. And, you know, you start thinking about all the things and um, working through my trauma has been one of the most powerful things. I always looked up to other people who have been able to overcome adversity. And I don't know, I think a lot of people out there who who have overcome adversity are some of the strongest people. Like they are just emotional ninja warriors. 
right? They make they me really so inspired. So yeah, uh, uh, that's kind of uh, in a nutshell, because <laughs> trauma, <laughs> this is a nutshell, right? You know that um, that's kind of my experience with trauma in a couple of different situations. But for me, like I said, I don't think I really realized that fear of success was something that I was holding on to, but it basically stems from projecting into the future. So, Mm -hmm. you know, wondering if, if we overcome these emotional health pieces that are so difficult in the moment, you know, if, if we get better, I'm using air quotations right now. If we get better, if, yeah. if our job pans out better than we expected, or we meet the perfect partner or whatever it is, um, how much effort will it take to sustain that thing? And will we have the energy to do so? And when we're in this place of trauma, we don't have a lot of additional energy to tap into. So we kind of get this fear of how many balls will I have to keep in the air? And if I was able to do this, kind of we get that complex of would I be entitled to this life kind of the who do you even think you are feelings yes yeah that who do you think you are who do I think I am to you know overcome something that other people haven't or get better and keep this beautiful life that I've built for myself where other people are losing that and it becomes almost this like um I don't remember the actual term for it, but it's like a survivor guilt complex or Mm -hmm. something. And it's like, you know, why do I deserve this? And other people don't. And it becomes kind of comfortable for us like to just stay where we are instead of push ourselves to grow. It's what we know. It doesn't mean it's good for us, but it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like you said, right. It's what we know. So the biggest limiting factor for, entrepreneurs or anybody to move forward is staying staying where they are it's because it is it's comfortable and it's we know it yeah I'm working with a just working on those mindset issues I'm like huge (laughs) I don't have any issues I've done all this before like I'm this is what I teach my clients so I'm I'm fine and then I'm like oh you mean I wasn't following my own advice like (laughs) so true I like I see it every day so I feel like this, um, I feel like this fear of failure is really prevalent when I look at the community of entrepreneurs that I work with, because we, we kind of get in this headspace that, okay, I can do, I can do my job. I can have impact with others. I can learn new skills and we don't realize that there's this subtle little bit of fear inside of us from past experiences that is keeping us where we are. Right. I mean, you know, from working with people all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I like that you said it's that little bit of fear because I tend to push a lot on the word trauma just because that's what a lot of people associate it with, but it also does have negative connotations that people are like, Oh, I don't have trauma. That's something that, soldiers experience or refugees and like you know going back to the who do I think I am it's like you know I went through what I went through and I don't I don't deserve to call it trauma but like yeah just that little bit of fear whether you've labeled it trauma or not can be enough to put a 
stop or a block on everything that you're trying to accomplish. Isn't it funny that we have to quantify trauma? We have to go, oh, but mine isn't as bad as theirs. Yeah. And then we downplay it and then it just sits inside of us. Yeah, it's, we don't just compare ourselves to, you know, the highlight reels on social and like the great things that other people are doing. It's also, we compare ourselves to the stories that other people have. Yeah, I think you're very, very right about that. There's, isn't there this constant tendency toward comparison? Mm -hmm. Whether it is the highlight reel, which is not real. (laughs) It's, it's a curated bunch of posts from all of the great things in life, which is great. But I think in order to balance it out, we have got to show all of the parts. So I think the highlight reel can be really dangerous for people, right? We, we tend to compare ourselves to the people that look like everything is perfect. Uh, We also tend to compare ourselves to the people we don't want to be. So we go, okay, I don't, I don't want to share this piece of myself because I don't want to show up in the way that that person shows up that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Or we think we're not good enough to show up like the perfect people. And the highlight reel is just, you know, it's not real. I have to tell myself and my clients this every single day that that's not real. And I don't know, I like to balance it. I like to put a little bit of my shit show in and a little bit of the, of the good things. (laughs) I feel like it's just necessary. Yes. It's also like the shit show is what people are going to connect to. It is. The highlight reel is nice because people like to cheer you on and, you know, we keep it professional as entrepreneurs, but we also have to be vulnerable because we are still real people. And that I feel like is more what people connect to because it's that kind of raw reality that they're like, oh, I can relate to this. I can trust this person, open up to this person because they have bad days too. (laughs) You're so right. It builds trust. Mm -hmm. We want our prospects and our clients to trust us. And if we just operate with the highlight reel, it just doesn't happen. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to air your dirty laundry out, but I think real, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Gotta keep it real. I have this funny, this funny thing that I did, I don't know, years ago, I was, I was giving uh, a talk within a leadership role at a company. And in the middle of it, I decided to, to just totally go off script and be like, you know what, we're all a shit show. And I started pointing at everyone like you're a shit show and you're a shit show. And I pointed up (laughs) at the president of the company. I was like, you're a shit show. (laughs) I'm a shit show. This is turning into the shit show talk, but it, honestly, people still laugh about it. It was years, like, I don't know how long ago, but it's, it's real and it unites us and it gives us this um, picture of people overcoming hard things mm-hmm. when we talk about it. So I think it's important to talk about it. It kind of crashes down those pedestals that we tend to put people on and like, oh no, we really are all on the same level, just doing the best that we can. And that looks different for everybody. We believe that certain people have more say over what we are and what we're capable of. And, you know, whether it's the CEO of your company that you're publicly calling a shit show or your parents or, you know, a medical professional, there are people who we believe more than others simply because of those pedestals that we put them on. Yes. Positions of, you know, 
power, if you will. I think people in healthcare, from my experience uh, enduring the trauma I went, underwent with my diagnosis, people in healthcare, uh, other positions of authority, therapists, all, all of that, and don't get me wrong, I highly believe in therapy, clearly, because I've been going for 25 years, but I think they have more power with their words and their mm-hmm. unintentional messaging sometimes. And then they realize, but I know that it's, I know that it's to protect us also so that we don't get our hopes up too much. I, I think it always comes from a place of caring. Yeah. Um, but I know that from my healthcare journey with trauma anyway, I know that doctors who were really um, hopeful and optimistic left a deep imprint on me. Mm-hmm. And so did the ones who said, this is incurable. Most people don't make it. Like, I don't think they realize how much those words just literally change your brain. And that is exactly what they do. They physically change your brain just as any trauma does. And it happens in an instant because it's that I'm diving into my NLP world right now, but it's that structural belief that the second we choose to believe that something is true and it is a choice, although it oftentimes is a subconscious choice, the second we believe that something is true, it starts to look for affirmations that, yes, I made the right choice. Yes, this is true. And kind of brushes off everything else, which is where confirmation bias comes in. But the people who tell you that, you know, nobody recovers from this or, you know, you can learn to manage your trauma, but it's something you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. Like, to them, they're trying to be honest with you to prepare you for what's coming. And like you said, not get your hopes up. But on the other side of that, it's like they're handing you a life sentence. Absolutely. They're planting a seed and they don't mm-hmm. realize how much power that seed has. So I always think, you know what, we can't wait for someone else to plant the seed for us, whether it's, you know, hopefully it's a seed of, good expectation and hope we have to plant the seed for ourselves we really Mm -hmm. have to and now when you're in a in a certain position and you're feeling all those limitations and worried about what would it look like if I were really successful so I think I'll keep playing small when you're in that space it's hard to make the decision to plant the seed in yourself Mm -hmm. right because there's too many too many feelings yeah worries I think that, yeah, our mindset is tremendously affected by that. You know, like, you know, neural pathways are formed, new neural pathways or other ones are fostered yeah. and our brain believes what we tell it. So yeah. we actually have more power than we think we do. Although we need, we need those strategies to get to the other side. Yes. Right. Yeah. That because as much as we can tell ourselves, you know, I woke up this morning and decided the sky was pink instead of blue. It doesn't necessarily make it true. It doesn't necessarily make that my reality because there's all these other factors coming at you and my own mindset that, you know, like consciously I'm saying, nope, sky is pink and it is always going to be pink. But my subconscious belief 
And that belief that my unconscious mind inherently knows is that's not true. And it's not going to let me make that change unless that deeper belief is changed. Absolutely. I think that we need to remember how powerful, like you said, that, that belief system, that mindset is, and remember we can overcome and rise above all of these limitations, whether, you know, not to quantify it, because I really dislike this, but whether it is limiting beliefs or trauma in any form, any form of trauma that we can rise above it. We can create our own reality mm-hmm. within if there has to be a, a natural progression, like a timeline of this, you don't go from zero to a hundred. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in between, you know, that overcoming mindset, but that work is what strengthens us. Like that is mm-hmm. where the magic is. It's in overcoming adversity. I think failure is the best. <laughs> I really do. I eat failure for breakfast because I feel like without failure, we're just not learning. We're just those big messages, those big teachable moments are gone. Yeah. Obstacles are opportunities. That's another way I've heard that said, and it is so true, but it's not something that anybody really is taught or talks about. We need those stories of people who have overcome those adversities and people who have come out the other side because they simply decided to, to change that mindset and the way that we think things have to be done. And I think the important thing is to surround yourself with people who are going to push you to keep overcoming, who aren't going to set those boundaries for you with what they say, right? Oh my goodness. Our words are so transformative. The Mm -hmm. ones we tell ourselves, the ones we tell people around us. And uh, we just, we discount that too often. So I think you're right. Uh, we need to see people overcoming. And we all know that like the famous people, the famous faces who have overcome massive adversity and they're a huge success story. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But I think we need everyday people in our lives to be just a little bit more open. Not like yeah. I said, not in a super like vulnerability hangover the next day kind of way, but just in a real way that just says, Hey, Oh yeah, I've got some shit I've gone through too. And I have been able to be successful in this way, even though I've gone through that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I'm on a mission for everyone to just keep it real. I just think it's so important. So I love, I love when somebody's real, keep it real. (laughs) It's yeah. It's that going back to what I said before, it's that, that we connect to because it's that, raw authenticity that we're kind of like oh this person actually has something in common with me and like we don't have the same story but we've both been through shit we both have days where we are a shit show and (laughs) you know they're still successful they're still you know making things work day to day so maybe there's hope absolutely yeah it's the it's the stories of what's possible when we embrace that mindset and embrace the possibilities that are amazing, especially coming from, you know, real people who aren't necessarily celebrities. Um, One of my favorite stories, and actually he's become one of my favorite people, but 
1986, while cycling in a triathlon, um, Joe Dispenza was hit by a truck. He broke six vertebrae in his spine. His doctors told him he would never walk again. So he's given this medical diagnosis from authority figures and he just decided, nope, that's not my story. And he refused to have the surgery and instead began to imagine himself totally healed, which sounds wild when you aren't familiar with those kinds of stories and the power that your brain has. But that's really all he did. He visualized each vertebrae healing and reconstructed his spine in his mind. And in less than three months, he was back on his feet. He was training again. He was back at work at his chiropractic clinic and he had healed himself fully with just his mind. So after his uh, healing experience, um, Joe Dispenza, now known or was then as Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's become quite a big name. Um, he started to study neuroscience and now he teaches other people these principles of healing your body with just your mind. And he personally has seen countless spontaneous remissions at his events and through his coaching. And it's those stories that aren't shared enough because it's just unfathomable to the normal person or like the newbie, I guess, to the self-help or personal growth world um, who isn't familiar with simply how much power our unconscious mind has. And one of my favorite quotes from him is health and wellness can be as infectious as disease. Oh, I love that. Right. That's good. It's a goosebumps one because it's, you were talking about surrounding yourself with the people who lift you up and help you, you know, see that things are possible and support you in that. And it's, yeah, it's as infectious as disease. Absolutely. You know, actually Joe Dispenza is, he's obviously like one of the Kings of neuroplasticity, but yeah. he was a really big influence for me. So I can actually say when I was sick now, because of some of the um, mindsets const or the, the constructs I adopted from him, from his teaching. Um, when I was diagnosed with my illness, so it was a really rare arterial disease. And I had, I had about eight aneurysms on my left vertebral artery. So a little tiny artery in my neck. And then I had a really compromised artery in my brain around my circle of Willis, which is kind of important yep. to keep you alive. Yep. And um, so I, one of the ar arteries was like very narrow in there. And we're at this point where they're like, we're not doing brain surgery unless it is like dire, right? Like we don't want to do that. We'll just risk it. This is what the specialists were saying. Mm. And I had, I would have had to go to the States and all of this stuff. And I started visualizing that artery healing. I started visualizing every single day that that artery would be healed to become healthy and, um, not, I, I actually didn't visualize that I would be free from the disease funny enough, but I, it was like the worst parts of it. I visualized that they would heal. So I could maintain some sort of a normal life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I meditated and prayed and visualized every single day. And you know, what ended up happening. Like I am one of his success stories. He doesn't know it. <laughs> one day when Joe and I go for coffee, I'm going to tell him he doesn't <laughs> yeah. know it yet. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. 
Um, I ended up growing a new artery around the, the damaged artery, like literally bypassing it. I am one of those freaky stories. And I was just spontaneously healed. And my doctor at Toronto Western just stared at me that day after my CT and was like, I got nothing. You're one of those miracles. Like, please leave. And I hope you never come here again. <laughs> High five, peace out. And my husband and I are just like, there are no words. I don't think we talked the whole way out of the hospital. We're just like totally in awe and a little confused, frankly. How did this even happen? But oh my goodness, like you said, we don't realize the power of our mindset and that visualization process. And it can totally be a reality. I mean, mm. I'm proof of it. And it's because of people like him. It's because of examples and people who are really willing to be real that we have hope mm-hmm. that we keep inspired. Right. And it's, I, I always say it's our job to keep ourselves inspired. So tap into these people who are walking examples of what you want to be like in terms of, you know, mindset and stuff. Don't, I'm not saying change who you are. That would be very against what I believe. I just mean, who are great examples who are really sources of inspiration for you tap in, plug into their work. Yeah. The people who kind of broke out of the mold of what they were told is possible and overcame that struggle, whether it was a trauma or an illness or an abusive relationship or a shitty career or whatever the case may be, there's stories of hope everywhere. Once we start to look for them and shameless plug to the last guest episode, but like I've kind of accidentally stumbled onto sharing these survivor stories because um, Danny, who was my guest in the last episode, was told, as most people are, trauma is not something that can be healed. It's something you live with with the rest of your life. And her story was a little bit different, but through a series of events, she was able to come out the other side and has been symptom-free for over a year. And even her psychologist was like, I don't know what to tell you. This doesn't happen. So thanks for letting me know. See you on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of like, wow. Rediagnosed her. Like, you know, they went through the tests and he was like, yeah, you, you don't have PTSD anymore. So you no longer need to be my patient. And similar to your doctor, it was kind of like, okay, bye. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that doctor, I was kind of, you know, transferred all over the place from London, Ontario to Toronto. And uh, that doctor was the one who was super positive right from the get-go when he got me, which was just after I had a mini stroke, uh, one of my more severe ones, he gets a hold of me and he's like, it's going to be fine. You are an overcomer. You're resilient. And I'm like, I've never had a doctor speak into me like that. Yeah, I encountered a lot of fear-based messaging with other doctors because they just didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with me. <laughs> and so they were saying all the limiting beliefs and planting those seeds for me. And man, do we ever hang on to those? And I don't want to see people, whether you know it's an entrepreneur or not, I don't want to see people operating in a place of survival. That's not going to get us to the place where we're thriving. Lack mindset and survival is not what we're looking for. It's part of the journey to thriving, but we need to get out of survival mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's actually nearly impossible for the brain to do 
anything beyond surviving once it hits that survival mode. Um, there's an amazing quote from, I'm never going to pronounce his name right, um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk in his book, um, The Body Keeps the Score, um, which is one that I recommend to most of my clients because it's a fantastic book about trauma um, and the physical effects that it has on the brain and the body. But he says that when an organism is stuck in survival mode, its energies are focused on fighting off the unseen enemies, which leaves no room for nurture, care, and love. So if we think back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if certain needs at the base aren't met, we can't fathom having needs met that are closer to the top. So when we're stuck in that state of trauma or that survival mode where your internal alarm bells are constantly going off and you have medical professionals telling you that, you know, well, that's just the way it is because that's all that they were taught. It's not that they're intentionally going out of their way to discourage you or kind of quash that hope. It's just, that's what they know. That's what they've seen. That's what their education was you know, has taught them. But what would it look like if things were different? Yeah. What if we stepped out of coping? What would that look like? And that's where that fear of success comes in again. You know, we, we think, okay, if I step out of that and I really got to this place where I am thriving, I am having impact, even if it's, you know, I don't want to say just, even it's with our, if it's with our families, mm -hmm. Even, you know, a small group, it doesn't mean that our corner of the world needs to be thousands of people. But what if we stepped out of that? Then we start to say, what would the future look like? And and uh, how would it change our relationships? And what skills would I have to learn? And and we go, what if, what if, what would that mean? And we get on this kind of roller coaster mm -hmm. um, that can take us from survival back down into fear. So I think there's that, you know, that, place of what's the like just trying to find basic safety yeah we get to this place just calming our nervous system down in away from fight or flight yeah right there's that place and that's important like I, it's so important for us to return to homeostasis and not constantly be in like ah you know fight or flight mode or increase cortisol or adrenaline or you know all the things but what would it look like if we actually got there? And not only who do we think we are, like we talked at the start, but how would I, how would I maintain it? And what would the people around me think of me? Because we worry about that when it comes to fear of failure mm -hmm. or fear of success. Are they going to start pointing fingers now and going, who does she think she is? Oh my goodness. I know her past. This isn't who she is. Like there's, oh, there's so much. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is perceived but we make it very real because we, we tell our brains that it's real. This is the whole thing that our, our brain believes. That it's we tell true. It. And that um, it's not just the people around us that, you know, ask who do, who does she think she is personally working with various coaches. And even you said, you know, surround yourself with the people who encourage you. And there's a quote or some piece of advice floating around the internet that's like you know you become an accumulation of the five people you surround yourself with and that fear of success kind of steps in that's like well if I want to be bigger than that who am I going to lose 
And is it worth it? Yes. This is such a, a real fear that people have. And I believe in that quote wholeheartedly. And I believe it's really painful to let go of people who aren't serving us. And I, I'm not one of the like cut people out kind of people. <sighs> I've done it in my past though. I, like I've done it in my past and I have deep regrets about it. So I really think hard, but I think it's more mm -hmm. of a, a distancing. I'm going to love you at a bit of a greater distance than um, maybe I am right now. Oh, it's such a touchy it, subject, right? It it's, is hard. And it's, it's hard. I kind of had to shift the mindset going back to that a little bit to I'm choosing to grow and to change and that's either going to be leading by example for them, that they can do the same, or if they're comfortable and they're letting that fear, you know, take control, they're going to stay where they are. And like you said, I'm going to love you for who you are, where you're at always, but it might need to be at a bit of a distance because I've chosen to step out of that bubble of the comfort zone um, which personally does not always happen very often. <laughs> um, but right. in the cases when it does, that kind of scares the people that are around us if they're not prepared for that. And, you know, if they do know our past and it's not always that accusation of who does she think she is, but like what is happening, where are they going, what's changed? And then it becomes kind of a threat to them and their way of life too. And it's just, it's, it's a very touchy subject and it's a hard conversation to have with those people too. And they're like, you've been distant lately. What's going on? And it's like, uh, <laughs> it's nothing personal. I've just chosen to choose myself. Right. What a powerful example though, choosing yourself. That's a powerful example. And unfortunately it yeah. becomes like crabs in a bucket unintentionally. It's like, what does this mean for me? So I'm going to help you play small now so that everything can just stay the yeah. same because I really like it down here. And I, I like to challenge myself and my clients in business to not only hang out with the right people that are going to, I always think of it this way. I want the people I hang out to, to be more successful than me. I want them to be more in emotionally intelligent than me because I want them mm. to pull me up to not be threatened by my wins or my success. But what if we surrounded ourselves with people who hold us accountable? So yeah. not just cheerlead us. This is, I think the next level for me, it's difficult. I choose people who I know are not going to let me off the hook. And that can't yeah. be the people who love me most because they'll be like, Oh, you're having a hard day. It's okay. If you don't do what you said you're going to do. Right. <laughs> Because they want to help me feel comfortable. I don't want to feel comfortable. So I set myself up with mm -hmm. accountability partners who are a little better than I am at the thing I want to do, who I'm a little bit intimidated by because I don't want to let them down. I'm, I'm more worried about letting them down than myself on certain days, depending on the day. And I want to make sure that that is not subjective that it doesn't get in the way is like, I said, I was going to do this thing. So I better get my butt in gear and go do this thing, regardless if I'm tired or scared or what else is going on, whatever else is going on in my head or my life. Um, so I guess that would be my challenge to your audience. Find somebody that is not only going to encourage you, 
and get behind you, but that's going to require you to keep your promises and hold you accountable to the things you said you're going to do, the Mm -hmm. levels you said you're going to reach. That's where everything changes. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. You have to find someone that knows what you're capable of and isn't going to accept the excuses that come up with struggle because I've been there. I've seen it. And I've seen what's possible when you choose not to let it win. So why would I ever let you let that win? Instead of saying like, yeah, I know you had a rough day. It's shit sometimes, but it's a choice too. You can choose to stay in it or you can choose to do the hard work and recover and be one of those inspiration stories. It is a choice. I wholeheartedly agree. I want to backtrack a little bit to those tough days. We've all had them. We've all had so many of them. When you're in one of those tough days and it's kind of like the why me, Mm -hmm. I can't do this. We get in that mindset. It's really hard to choose otherwise, like to choose positivity. It's really hard Mm -hmm. to choose action that's going to better you at that point. And so, and I, you know, I fully believe in (laughs) training your brain to think, in a way that's beneficial to you and those around you. I'm a hardcore advocate of this, but from the past, like from certain situations, I can't choose in the moment. So I have to set myself up with tools and resources and kind of go-tos that I know are going to help me get out of the negative spot I'm in and help make it clear for me about Mm -hmm. what I have the ability to choose. So just to bring to light. So you know, I set myself up all the time knowing that I could easily slip into that negative space. So I make sure that there's time carved out every single day, despite how busy I am with work or kids or life for me to get into, you know, rest and relax mode so that I am meditating or I get in the sauna or I go for a walk. And I, even if I don't think I need it that day, because there are days you just want to put your head mm-hmm. down and power through, oh my goodness, being a productivity obsessed person. This is hard for me. Like it's a, it is my Everest to like pause, (laughs) just to pause. And so I write it in my calendar in pen. I still am one of those people that uses a paper planner. Yeah. High five. Love it. And I write it in there in pen is like, that is my, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, that is what I need to do. So I position myself for success so that if I know I my mindset tanks in the afternoon that I've Mm -hmm. already got that in my back pocket. I've already set my intentions for the day. I've already started it on a good note. Right. And I'm, it's easier to return to the good place, like the place of choosing positive things for myself. If I've set myself up instead of hitting the ground running, being, like I said, productivity obsessed, these workaholic tendencies that some of us tend to have, (laughs) So that we don't think too much about other things. Like this is something I've had to overcome my whole life to just stay present. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I was just going to say it's um, sometimes that's all it takes to pull us out of survival mode and into that. It doesn't even have to be a positive mindset. It's just something that's not desperate or alarm bells or 
you know, trauma, end of the world. Like I know what anxiety feels like. I know what fear feels like. And I know how all consuming and overwhelming that can be. And just taking that, you know, even if it's five or 10 minutes to just ground yourself, recenter, refocus, get out of that survival mode so that you can start to see what's possible. And then you just need a little bit of curiosity to keep you going. And it's, that that was one of my favorites actually is, you know, it's not, you don't have to be hopeful all the time. You don't have to be positive all the time because um, that can become equally as toxic. But if you're curious, then it kind of is that little like nudge or whisper behind you that's like, well, what if, what if there's bigger possibilities, bigger opportunities? What if, what if it comes true for me? What if, you know, I find that success or I find that dream job and create this life for myself? And what does that look like? And then that train starts, you know, gaining momentum. And it's, it's a little bit easier to pull ourselves out of those bad days or those bad moments. It's stepping stones what you're saying, right? Just little stepping stones and we might not even see the next stone. And I love that you brought up the point that it doesn't have to be positive. It can just be (laughs) one little step forward into feeling safe. Or if you, if you have anxiety, getting out of the racing thoughts, getting out of like the, most of us, you know, it's not even reality, what we're worried about. Yeah. The things that we're worried about, they're those perceived, um, scary things that may not actually come to fruition. Most of the time, I think they don't No, I think that we just get stuck. Yeah. We're, and we use the defense that like, I'm preparing myself for the worst so that if anything else happens, it's gravy. But if you're constantly preparing yourself for the worst, like how do you ever turn that around into something that can be positive and like, you know, can you maybe prepare for the best once in a while? And that's like, you know, what are you talking about? That's, that's not possible <laughs> because it, that's like full circle, girl, what you're talking about. Yeah. That's the whole fear of success. That's the whole point. Right? We talk ourselves out so often. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love this conversation. I knew I was going to. You're, you're awesome. You're awesome. I'm so glad that you were able to come onto the podcast and that we were able to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. I, I hope that it's given people a lot to think about. Um, you've certainly given me some great, some great stuff to chew on and some really great, I feel like potential tools that I could use. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to connect with Jen, you can find her at shiftcollective.ca or Shift Inside Out on Facebook or at Shift Collective on Instagram. That's S-H-I-F-T, Shift Collective. If you loved today's episode, remember to rate and review White Stag Conversations on iTunes as it helps to boost us to the people who could benefit from what we share. Also, feel free to connect with me on social at whitestagco.ca on Instagram or whitestagco on Facebook. I hope today's episode gave you some ideas to think about. I'll be back next week with some more personal growth goodies. We'll talk soon.